can be seated. I want to start out this morning with a true story about a conference that happened over in Britain. Uh, there were a bunch of religious leaders together to discuss one topic, and that topic was what was it, if anything, that makes Christianity unique from other world religions in, in what it teaches? C.S. Lewis happened to be at that conference. He was out of the room and he came back in and heard all the hubbub. And I like what he said. He came back in and said, what's the rumpus about? I just like that. I want to say that with my boys sometimes now. What's the rumpus about? Sounds cool, right? What's the rumpus about? And he, he found out they were discussing what is it that makes Christianity unique among world religions, if anything. And he looked at them all, and I'm sure you can think of a number of things. A number of you can. But what he went with that day was interesting. He said, oh, that's easy. It's grace. It's grace. Philip Yancey went on to write this about that discussion at that conference. He said, after some discussion, the conferees had to agree. The notion of God's love Coming to us, free of charge, no strings attached, seems to go against every instinct of humanity. He continues, the Buddhist eightfold path, the Hindu doctrine of karma, and Muslim code of law, each of these offers a way to earn approval. Only Christianity dares to make God's love unconditional. He went with grace. He went with grace. I think about grace. I think about that, that thief on the cross. He's been coming before us multiple times in multiple ways at our home this week. One, one through preacher Alistair Begg, who's been preaching at least as long as since we were back in Bible college, probably much longer. Great preacher. But he was imagining that moment when that thief on the cross showed up in paradise that day. He said, can you imagine the head angel? That, that thief cross wanders, or thief, uh, excuse me, that thief from, from the cross wanders through those gates and the head angel says, hold up, hold up. <laughs> How did you get in here? <laughs> can, can you give me a detailed theological explanation of justification by faith. <laughs> and you imagine the thief on the cross still just getting his bearings, maybe kind of surprised that he is there. <laughs> and saying, no, it was, it was the man on the, the second cross. He told me today you'll be with me in paradise. That's grace. And Alistair Begg went from there and said, you stand before God someday and He says, why should I let you into heaven? Anything that focuses on you, anything in the first person is wrong. The only answer is Jesus. The man on the, the second cross. That, that is grace. So, with grace in mind and, and on full display, I want to open with a premise and I want to close with an invitation to praise. Here's the premise. I'm going to open with this morning. Let's put it up there, Stetson. Our redemption is only possible because of who God is and what He has done. We've been going through the book of Ruth, and you know that was true for Ruth. If it wasn't for who Boaz was, 
in what Boaz did, Ruth would not have been redeemed. Same for us when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. It's only for who God is and what He has done. So we, we look at this weekend that, that we're celebrating, right? Good Friday, the, the, the cross where He took our sin and said, It is finished. Then Saturday, I got an urgent voicemail from a friend yesterday. He said, hey, Scott, I got an important question for you. We call Friday Good Friday and we call Sunday Easter Resurrection Sunday. What do we call Saturday? <laughs> so <laughs> somebody said Saturday. I, I threw it around with the family and my oldest son, Jaden. I like his su- suggestion. He said, how's about suspense Saturday? So I, I said, that's what my oldest son said. And the guy said, I like that. What did you say, Jay? Hope. Hope. We know now. Amen. We know now. But think about this weekend, right? Think about the Friday, the cross. First Peter 1, you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish. Spot that was Friday. What about the resurrection? Romans five ten says, "If while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life?" The cross and the resurrection. What I want to talk about today, though, is the before and after that the cross and resurrection can bring to the life of the believer in Jesus Christ. You, you all have seen before and afters. Sometimes they're pretty dramatic, right? Sometimes it's before and after braces. Uh, sometimes it's before and after weight loss. Sometimes it's before and after suntan lotion. You've seen them all, right? I want to talk about a before and after spiritually with Jesus. Before Jesus and after Jesus. And I can't think of a more clear before and after in the Bible than Ephesians 2, where they read from earlier. I want to start with the before. If we have not placed our faith in Jesus Christ, you were once a child of wrath. Follow Paul's descriptions here. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Does that mean? You say, I was alive, I was... I was doing things, yeah, physically, but spiritually, you were separated from God. You are dead. In which you once walked. That was the course of life. Following the course of this world. Following the prince of the power of the air. That's a stark statement. Our world tells us you do what you want. You follow yourself and you're free. The Bible tells us there's two options. You follow a loving master, Jesus Christ, or you follow Satan. You follow the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. What's that mean to be a child of wrath? That means God's wrath was upon us because of our sin. Because God is not only loving and holy, He is a God of wrath against our sin. We were children of wrath. That's the before. Thank 
God, this chapter does not end there. We're going we're gonna to move on to the, the after. After Jesus. After the, the cross and the empty tomb. After placing faith in Jesus Christ. Receiving His grace. You are now a masterpiece of God. I want to put that up there and walk you through some of what that means. He goes on in the same chapter. In verse 4, you remember how we started? It's only because of who God is and what He has done. That's this verse right here. But God. If that but God wasn't there, we'd all be in trouble. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us. There it is. Who He is and what He's done. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. I call that new potential because before... We're dead in our sins. I don't hear a lot of potential there. Made us alive. Now there's some potential, right? Because of what God is doing in us through His Holy Spirit. Let's go on. I want to show you some more. Verse 6. One verse, I see three new realities as a masterpiece of God. Raised us up with Him. I call that new power. In being alive in Christ, you have resurrection power of Jesus Christ within you to say yes to righteousness and no to unrighteousness. Do you know that? You have new power. You also have a new position. You're no longer doomed to follow the course of this world as your position. It says, and seated us with Him, with Jesus. Did you know that's your position? Spiritually, believer, you are seated with Jesus. That's a new position. Seated with Jesus. And you, and you worship a new prince. No longer that prince of the power of the air, Satan. You're seated, uh, he seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We now serve the Prince of Peace. We now serve the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now, none of this means there's no battle for the believer Right Until we get to heaven, there's going to be a battle. There's going to be temptations. There's going to be moments of weakness and tiredness and fatigue and spiritual warfare. But I'll tell you what it does mean. It does mean victory is available on a scale that it was never available before you came to Jesus. Have you seized on to that by faith? Where do I get the masterpiece of God from? Let's go to the next one. Verse 7 and 10. So that in the coming ages, God might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. He wants to keep showering that grace upon us in kindness in Christ. Why? For he, we are His workmanship. By His grace. That, that's the word where I get masterpiece. You know what the Greek word is? Poema. It's where we get the word poem from. Or, or masterpiece. By His grace, He's taking someone who is dead in sin and making them into a masterpiece. I like the way one man put it. You know, moms and dads like to put their kids' stuff on the fridge. Imagine God like that. As He works in your life by His grace and by His Spirit, He wants to put that on the fridge and, and show off what He is doing in the lives of His children. We are His masterpiece. 
We're on a new path. Why do I say that? Because we're created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. No longer following the course of this world, but walking down the exciting new path that He has for us. That's the before and after of the cross and resurrection. And I want you to think about one of two things. A, what could be if you haven't trusted Jesus yet, but would make that choice this morning? Or B, what is true of you if you have and start seizing on to that? But that leads to a, a huge question. How do we receive such a, a wonderful redemption as that? It seems almost too good to be true. How do, how do we get a hold of it? Stetson, go ahead and put that question up there for me. And I want to encourage you, go on and read the rest of chapter 2 on your own if you'd like, because there's more before and afters in the second half of Ephesians chapter 2. But I want, I want to show you right now how this played out in the lives of some friends of ours in this church. How do we receive such a wonderful redemption? I want to invite Mike and Melody Hubanks down front here. If you guys would give them a warm welcome. Thank you, guys. We, this is the second time we've done this this morning. And, and Mike, when he first saw me this morning, he's like, it's nice that we're matching. But Melody felt left out, right? <laughs> so I'm just going to ask these guys a couple of questions, and you're going to hear a little bit of how this has played out, is playing out in their lives. But I, I want you guys to start just over a year ago. You guys had a night at your house. You said normally you would have gone to bed, but you stayed up that night. And, why don't you tell eight, us? Nine <laughs> <Eight>. <laughs> I, I can usually not make it through an episode of Jeopardy, so even though I love it, I relate. But what happened that night? It was different. Okay, um, January 27th, a year ago, uh, Mike and I, we had a lot of snow here in town, and so we had spent the day together, and um, he made dinner that night, and... Uh, we watched a couple movies, and it was just a Wednesday night, normal night, and uh, about 10 o'clock, Mike got up from his chair, said, good night, I'm going to go to bed, and headed down the hall. He stopped halfway to our bedroom, turned around, came back, and said, Melody, why don't you get out that chessboard? Let's play chess. I went, what? It's never 10 o'clock at night. I mean, Mike's in bed at this time, right? So I said, thank God. Thank God I said yes. And I set up the chessboard. Mike and I were sitting in the living room just across from each other, a little table, and we were playing for about 45 minutes. And I was wondering, why is it taking him so long to move? Mike, I said, Mike, he was sitting in the recliner just like this. I jumped up. I grabbed him. He was unresponsive. I grabbed my phone. I dialed 911. I put it on speaker, and I drug him to the ground, and I started CPR, and I never stopped until Officer Brooks came in. I probably did it maybe for over 12 minutes. He never came to. Um, so I worked. I mean, I, Officer Brooks came in. He took over the compressions. Finally, the fire department got there. We live out Williamson Valley. It took them a while because of all the snow. They got there. No pulse, no heartbeat. No pulse, no heartbeat. They worked on him for 45 minutes. 
He was considered dead for 20 minutes. They zapped him twice with the paddle. They got a pulse and a heartbeat. They raced him to Yavapai. They put two stents in his heart. They put him up in ICU. They didn't know. They gave him a 3% chance to live. 3% chance. For five days, they kept him at 34 degrees, his body temperature. He's also an organ donor. So on the fifth day, they called me and they said, Melody, we're going to start raising his temperature up ever so slowly. So by around 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I get a phone call. And I happen to be with our grandson, Brandon Hughbanks, who's graduating this year from the school. Anyway, uh, we got a phone call. Mike Mike opened his eyes. They're FaceTiming us. And I said, Mike, Mike, you know, he's all intubated and his eyes are open. The doctor said he's moving his hands, he's moving his feet, he's doing everything we're telling him to. And I said, boy, I know you want those tubes out. And he said, did like this. So the next day, uh, they uh, put a pacemaker, defibrillator. Um, uh, they, he just is a miracle. By giving a, a 3% chance to live, um, he's made a full recovery. He walks three miles every day. Um, I'll tell you, the power of prayer really, I mean, the power of prayer was just amazing. Um, it, it just is a miracle. And I, I think I've probably gone on long enough, but um, just so thankful that Mike is here and um, just I'm going to hand it over. Keep, keep that mic because I have some more questions okay. for you. I want to make a prayer connection. There are three generations of their family that go to church here. They were all here at the earlier service. Uh, this is Grandpa, Grandma, then there's Robins and Nia, and then there's the grandsons. And when this medical incident happened over a year ago, many of you probably remember the prayer team here was some of the ones praying. Family was praying and uh so, so fast forward about a year after all that. You're doing a lot better. We're getting ready to move to this location. And uh, you came to our last service at our last location and said, hey, you guys are coming closer. We want to start coming. And then it was shortly after you guys started coming here every week that you said, hey, could, could we meet up? Can you uh, tell these guys you were wrestling with some stuff inside after a year. Why did you want to meet up that day? Uh, first of all, I want to thank everybody for the prayer group because prayer works. And nobody knows it more than I. But something was missing. I just, I struggled for a year. And knew I'd gone somewhere and didn't know where. I had no idea why I, did, why I, didn't, why I didn't die. And I kept thinking there's got to be a reason I struggled and struggled and read and I did everything. And I thought, it's got to be spiritual. It's got to be God's work. And that's when I reached out to you. And, and that's when things started clicking. Things started working. <laughs> what did you ask me at Dunkin' Donuts at there? You I said, said had some small talk. And he told well, we were talking. I, I thought when I was brought up, I, not a religious family. I was brought up in Indiana. Mm-hmm. And Easter was the day we went to church once a year. And then we went and had Chinese food afterwards. So we all looked forward to Easter. <laughs> and, and I knew that I knew something's missing. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, you know, I kept searching. And then luckily my, my daughter-in-law and my son are, go to this church. And, and I saw how happy they were. 
And I thought, man, maybe that's it, you know. So I reached out to my daughter-in-law, and thank God, here we are. Yeah, and you can imagine the joy of a pastor's heart or any believer's heart that loves spreading the good news. I'm sitting there, and just to paraphrase some of what you said that day, you said, hey, uh, I know God's kept me alive for this year for a reason. I said, what is that reason? And you said, I need to know how to be saved. And I looked at him and said, is that something that's happened in this past year? And he said, no, that's why I'm here. (laughs) He said, Lord. So right there in Dunkin' Donuts, both of these guys, Mike and Melody, placed their trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. (laughs) So May 15th, they're, they're getting baptized and I hope you all be here to celebrate. It'll be eleven thirty outside after the second service. But got to thinking about Easter Sunday and I thought, boy, what if they could share that on Easter Sunday? Because that's that's the power of the risen Lord. And I called Mass and I heard Mike start crying on the phone. He said, Somebody just told me, Mike, you gotta share this. You gotta share this and and here they are. Now talk to me about you you said you were feeling something before you made that choice to embrace Jesus. What were you feeling that year? I, I was waiting for the other shoe to drop. You know, I, I wasn't, wasn't ready to die, and I knew I wasn't ready to die, and I knew there was a reason mm-hmm. why I didn't die. And so, you know, I, I knew there's a reason, a reason for everything. Mm-hmm. Now, and what about this side of that meeting? Well, I, I'm calmer. I talk to God every day. I cry every day. And I'm happy. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm guaranteeing you guys are going to get some warm hugs on your way out today. Thank you for coming up here and sharing. Uh, one other thing, I always I like to talk to men about health care. I didn't go to the doctor for 40 years because I was... So healthy, I never got sick. I, my last job, I worked 20 years, missed one day, and I tried to go to work that day. Mm-hmm. And uh, guys, go to the doctor. You know, I thought I was bulletproof. I was never sick. You know, I thought, well, I don't need to go to the doctor because I'm not sick, and I always feel good, and we need to go to the doctor. There's a lot of wives out there going, yes. <laughs> Nobody's bulletproof. Guys. Yeah. Well, the thing was, he had just retired in June. And here it was January, and he had been off by himself fishing, hunting, just all over, manner of things, all the time by himself. So the chances of us sitting in front of each other this close, this close to each other, and for that event to have happened, there there are no mistakes. I mean, there, there was angels. There was, it was just, it was supposed to happen. And here we are. I do have one last question for you guys. I'll let you keep this. If, if there's somebody in this room today, you know, maybe they're like you were back in the day on Easter. It was that holiday. They're, they're here hearing about Jesus, thinking about it, but maybe some, some hesitance. What, what would you say to that person? Time does not stop for anybody. You know, if you're not right with God, time's going to show you you're not right. And so, 
Uh, I just, I want to do it right this time. <laughs> I didn't do it right before. I want to get it right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you both. His last statement there reminded me of something Paul says. He says, now is the day of salvation. Now is the day. We've heard the good news. We've heard the before and after that could be. And we're wrestling with how do we receive it. The answer is right in the middle of this passage. Verse 8 and 9. Stetson will put it up there. By grace you have been saved. Let's start with grace. Listen, if it can be earned, it is not grace. If it's by grace, it cannot be earned. Grace is the free gift of God. That's what Jesus is all about. Through faith. What is faith? It is trust relying on what He has done on the cross and in His resurrection for your sin debt. It is finished. means paid in full. Will you rely on that? To have that weight removed. To find that peace Mike was talking about. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Grace. I come back to where I started, that, that thief on the cross. I was flying around on Facebook this week. Somebody wrote it out this way. They asked a good question. They said, how, how does the thief on the cross fit into your theology? No baptism. No communion. No confirmation. No speaking in tongues, no mission trip, no volunteerism, and no church clothes. He couldn't even bend his knees to pray. Among other things, he was a thief. Jesus didn't take away his pain, heal his body, or smite the scoffers. Yet it was a thief who walked into heaven the same hour as Jesus, simply by believing. He had nothing more to offer other than his belief that Jesus was who he said he was. No spin from brilliant theologians, no ego or arrogance, no shiny lights, skinny jeans or crafty words. No haze machine, donuts or coffee in the entrance. Just a naked, dying man on a cross, unable to even fold his hands to pray. What, what did happen there? It was in Luke 23, 39. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at Jesus saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. He acknowledged his guilt. Right? But this man has done nothing wrong. He acknowledged the truth about Jesus. And then he cried out to him. Verse 42, he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you today, today you will be with me in paradise. And outwardly I dare say we have a lot different between us and the thief on the cross. But inwardly, apart from Christ, I tell you, we are exactly the same. Dead in sin. Will we acknowledge who we are, acknowledge who He is, and cry out to Him in faith? 
the gift is available. Lord, thank you so much for the hope of this weekend, the grace of this weekend. We thank you for the message of the thief on the cross. His sins were on full display for all to see. It's not that way for all of us. We're, we're not all on trial for, for crimes. But deep down in each of our own hearts, we know the relation we have to that man. We know we have the same need for you, the Savior on a cross that he did. We thank you. We thank you that you rose again. That we may no longer be children of wrath, but that by your grace, by your spirit at work within us, we may become masterpieces of God. Living for your glory and your power for our new prince. In Jesus' name, amen.